Salutations and welcome to another episode of Fairly Old Tales, where we tell you tales that are fairly old. Today we're going to be doing some stories that are um, animal stories, uh, specifically amphibious uh, creatures such as frogs and toads. We've got a collection of stories here, most of them are pretty short, um, I think this is probably going to be four stories and like the last one is actually just like two or three stories that are like super short. Uh, so yeah, frog stories, here we go. The first one is called The Frog King or Iron Henry. And that'll make sense as we go through the story, I assume. So here we go. Once upon a time, there was a princess who went out into the forest and sat down at the edge of a cool well. She had a golden ball that was her favorite plaything. She threw it up high and caught it in the air and was delighted by all of this. One time, the ball flew very high, and as she stretched out her hand and bent her fingers to catch it again, the ball hit the ground near her and rolled and, and rolled until it fell right into the water. The princess was horrified, and when she went to look for the ball, she found the well was so deep that she couldn't see the bottom. So she began to weep miserably and to lament, Oh, if I only had my ball again, I'd give anything, my clothes, my jewels, my pearls, and anything else in this world, just to get my ball back. As she sat there grieving, a frog stuck its head out of the water and said, Why are you weeping so miserably? Oh, you nasty frog, you can't help me. My golden ball has fell into the water. Well, I don't want your pearls or your jewels and, and your clothes, the frog responded. But if you'll accept me as your companion and let me sit next to you and let me eat from your little golden plate and sleep in your little bed and promise to love and cherish me, I'll fetch your ball for you. The princess thought, what nonsense. This simple-minded frog is blabbering. He's got to remain in his water. But perhaps he can get me my ball, so I'll say yes to him. And she said, Yes, fair enough. But first fetch me the golden ball. I promise you everything. The frog dipped his head beneath the water and dived down. It didn't take long before he came back to the surface with the ball in his mouth. He threw it on the ground, and when the princess caught sight of the ball again, she quickly ran over to it, picked it up, and was so delighted to have the ball in her hand that she thought of nothing else but to rush home with it. The frog called after her, Wait, princess, take me with you the way you promised. But she didn't pay any attention to him. The next day, the princess was sitting at the table and heard something coming up the marble steps. Splish splash, splish splash. Soon thereafter, it knocked at the door and cried out, Princess, youngest daughter, open up. As she ran to the door and opened it, she found that the frog whom she had forgotten was sitting there. Horrified, she quickly slammed the door shut and sat down back at the table. But the king saw that her heart was thumping and said, Why are you afraid? There's a nasty frog outside, she replied. He retrieved my golden ball from the water, and I promised him that I, he could be my companion, but I never believed at all that he could get out of the water. Now he's standing outside front, out in front of the door, and he wants to come inside. As she said this, there was a knock at the door, and the frog cried out, Princess, youngest daughter, open up. 
Don't you remember what you said down by the well's cool water? Princess, youngest daughter, open up. The king said, You must keep your promise no matter what you said. Go and open the door for the frog. She obeyed, and the frog hopped inside and followed her at her heels until they came to her chair. When she sat down again, he cried out, Lift me up to the chair beside you. The princess didn't want to do this, but the king ordered her to do it. The frog was up at the table. He said, Now push your little golden plate nearer to me so we can eat together. The princess had to do this as well, and after he had eaten until he was full, he said, Now I'm tired and want to sleep. Bring me upstairs to your little room. Get your little bed ready so that we can lie down in it. The princess became terrified when she heard this, for she was afraid of the cold frog. She didn't dare touch him, and now he was to lie in her bed next to her? She began to weep and didn't want to comply with his wishes at all. The king became angry and ordered her to do what she had promised or she'd be held in disgrace. Nothing helped. She had to do what her father wanted, but she was bitterly angry in her heart. So she picked up the frog with two fingers, carried him upstairs into her room, lay down in her bed, and instead of setting him down next to her, she threw him, crash, against the wall. Now you'll leave me in peace, you nasty frog. But the frog didn't fall down dead. Instead, when he fell down on the bed, he became a handsome young prince. Well, now indeed, he did become her dear companion, and she cherished him just as she had promised, and in their delight, they fell asleep together. You know what they done did. You know what they done did, everybody. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that they were just like having a good time, drinking tea and playing cards. Y'all know what they done did. <clears throat> anyway. The next morning, a splendid coach arrived, drawn by eight horses with feathers and glistening gold harnesses. The prince's faithful Henry accompanied them. He had been so distressed when he had learned his master had been turned into a frog that he had ordered three iron bands be wrapped around his heart to keep, him, to keep it from bursting from grief. When the prince got into the coach with the princess, his faithful servant took his place at the back so they could return to the prince's realm. After they had traveled some distance, the prince heard a loud cracking noise behind him, so he turned around and cried out, Henry, the coach is breaking! No, my lord, it's nothing really, uh, but the band around my heart, which nearly came apart. When you turned into a frog and your fortune fell, and you were made to live in that dreadful well. Two more times, the prince heard the cracking noise and thought the coach was breaking, but the noise was only the sound of the bands springing from faithful Henry's heart because his master had been released from the spell and was happy. And that's the end of the, that first story. So, again, I am just surprised by the wholesomeness of this grim tale. Like, yeah, there's a whole thing where the where the princess was like, tried to kill the frog by throwing him against a wall. But I mean, if you think about the context of the story, she thought she was about to have sex with a frog. So I would have probably done the same thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not into frogs. I don't know if that's a, a thing. And I don't really want to know. In, anyway, 
The other thing was about Faithful Henry. So Faithful Henry is only in like the last couple paragraphs of the story. But it's like the, the title of the story could be called Iron Henry. So it's the Frog King or Iron Henry is the name of the story. It was called both, apparently. So I feel like the real character that this story is about is actually about Faithful Henry and how and about the iron bands around his heart and how it basically he closed his heart off maybe it's like an like an allegory or I don't know if that's the right word allegory or um it's a I think that's the right word anyway it it's he it's, it's basically saying that he had to close his heart off because it was so painful to lose his his master, his prince, the, the the frog king or whoever it is. Like maybe him and Iron Henry were lovers. Like who knows? Like there, it just seems a little weird that he was so distraught by the loss of this person. Maybe maybe it was like a platonic love, you know, something like that. But I really feel like faithful Henry. You know, faithful Henry, like he was faithful to his master. I don't know. There's some interesting things to to look into that. But that's where I'm gonna leave it and let your minds, you know, figure out what you wanna think about that story. All right, moving on to the next one. So the next story is called The Frog Prince. So the first story is called The Frog King or Iron Henry and the second story is called The Frog Prince. But it has a very similar theme and it is kind of about, well, you'll see, because they, they referenced the youngest daughter again, so it, it seems like it was very much the same story, just told in a slightly different way. But they, there's, you know, it's just a different version of the story, I guess you could say. Um, it does make me think of Princess and the Frog, though, the Disney movie, that, you know, the whole the Frog Prince thing, I think this is perhaps part of where, where the, the origins of their story came from. I don't know, I can't really say. I don't work for Disney. Anyway, <clears throat> the Frog Prince. Once upon a time, there was a king who had three daughters, and in his courtyard, there was a well with beautiful clear water. On a hot summer's day, the eldest daughter went down to the well and scooped out a glass full of water. However, when she looked at it and held it up to the sun, she saw that the water was murky. She found this very unusual and wanted to scoop out another glass when a frog stirred in the water stuck its head up high, and finally jumped onto the edge of the well where he spoke. If you'll be my sweetheart, my dear, I'll give you water clearer than clear. Oh, who would ever want to be a nasty frog's sweetheart? She cried out and ran away. When she told her sisters that there was an odd frog down at the well that made the water murky, the second sister became very curious, and so she went down to the well and scooped a glass of water for herself. But it was just as murky as, as her sister's glass, so she wasn't able to drink it. Once again, however, the frog was on the edge of the well and said, If you'll be my sweetheart, my dear, I'll give you water that's clearer than clear. Do you think that would suit me? The princess replied and ran away. Finally, the third sister went, and things were no better. But when the frog spoke, If you'll be my sweetheart, my dear, I'll give you water clearer than clear. She replied, Yes, uh, why not? I'll be your sweetheart. Get me some clean water. However, she thought, 
this won't do any harm. I can speak to him just as I please. A dumb frog can never be my sweetheart. Meanwhile, the frog had jumped back into the water, and when she scooped up some water a second time, it was so clear that the sun neatly gleamed with joy in the glass. Then she drank and quenched her thirst, and also brought her sisters some of the water. Why were you so simple-minded and afraid of the frog, she said to them, and afterwards the princesses didn't think any more about it and went happily to bed. However, after she had been lying there for a while and couldn't fall asleep, she suddenly heard something scratching on the door, and then some singing. Open up, open up, princess, youngest daughter, don't you remember what you said? When I sat on the well at the water's edge, you wanted to be my sweetheart, my dear, and I gave you water that's clearer than clear. Oh, that's my sweetheart, the frog, she said. And since I gave him my word, I'll open the door. So she got out of bed, opened the door a little, and lay back down in the bed. The frog hopped up after her and jumped on the bed and lay down by her feet and remained there. When the night was over and morning dawned, the frog sprang off of the bed and went out the door. The next evening, when the princess was once again lying in bed, there was some scratching and singing at the door once more. The princess opened the door and the frog lay in the bed at her feet until it turned day. On the third evening, the frog came just like he had done the previous evenings. This is the last time that I'll open the door for you, the princess said to him. In the future, there will be no more of this. Then the frog jumped and crawled under her pillow, and the princess fell asleep. When she woke up the next morning, she thought the frog would hop off again. Instead, she saw a handsome young prince standing before her, and he told her that he had bewitched, been, be, been the bewitched frog. Been the bewitched frog. That's a little bit of a tongue twister and that she had saved him because she had promised to be his sweetheart. Then the two of them went to the king, who gave them his blessing, and a wedding was held. Meanwhile, the two other sisters were angry with themselves because they had not taken the frog to be their sweetheart. The end. Okay, so again, very wholesome. Apparently the, the frog stories in Grim Fairy Tales are all just really wholesome and happy endings, I guess. Very interesting. But... The only thing that I can think about <laughs> after reading this story is that the frog, the, the prince would be naked, right? The, the prince would be naked after he had transformed from a frog into a prince. He would be standing there naked in front of her, and that's the only thing I can think about while I'm while I'm reading the end of this story. And you know, she must have liked what he had to, he, he had going on. She she had to have liked what she saw, right? Because she took him to her dad and was like, Daddy, let me marry this naked guy who just appeared in my room. You know, like, why would you assume <laughs> as like, you know, a quote unquote logical person, I guess. I'm just assuming that the princess is logical because she was like, oh, this, you know, it's a frog. Like, you know, he can't be my sweetheart. So she's applying some kind of logic to the situation and to get the clean water, right? And so then, why, as this logical person, would you assume that the frog turned into a person instead of the frog just leaving and there just happened to be a naked person who broke into your room while you were sleeping? I don't know, that's probably what I would assume and I probably would have like attacked him or something, but then again, if the frog was talking and then was like, and he was like, yo, I was the talking frog. You're like, I don't know, maybe. I still think it's a bit sus, personally, but we'll move on. Okay. 
So our third story, we have two more stories um, for you today. So our third story is called The Faithful Animals. And it's not directly about a frog, um, but there are frogs involved in it and they're kind of the thing. So I don't know, you can make your own judgment about this. I think it's a frog story. If you don't think it's a frog story, I don't care. You're gonna listen to it anyway. So, The Faithful Animals. Once upon a time, there was a man who didn't have very much money, and he went out into the wide world with the little money that he had left. He arrived at a village where some young boys had gathered together and were making noise and yelling. What's going on? The man asked. Oh, we've got a mouse, they answered, and we're making it dance for us. Just look at the funny way the mouse toddles. But the man felt sorry for the poor little animal, and he said, Let the mouse go, boys, and I'll give you some money if you do. So he gave them money, and they let the mouse go. The poor animal ran into its hole as fast as it could. The man went off and came to another village. There, there some boys had a monkey who was being forced to dance and do somersaults. The boys were laughing at the monkey and wouldn't leave it in peace. Once again, the man gave them money to let the monkey go. Afterwards, the man came to a third village where some boys had a bear on a chain. The bear had to stand on its hind legs and dance, and when it growled, the boys laughed even more. The man bought the bear's freedom as well, and the bear was happy to run on his four feet again and dashed off. Now, the man had given away the last of his money and didn't have a red cent left in his pocket. A red cent left in his pocket? Is that some kind of saying? I've never heard that before. I'll have to look that up later. So he'd said to himself, the king had a great deal of money in his treasure chamber and doesn't need all of it. You can't let yourself die of hunger. You might as well go and take some, and if you make money later, you can replace what you take. Well, he managed to get into the treasure chamber and take some of the money. However, as he was creeping out, he was caught by the king's men. They accused him of being a thief and took him to the court. Since he had committed crime, he was sentenced to be put in a box, and the box was cast off into water. The lid of the box was full of holes so that air could get inside. In addition, he had been given a jug of water and a loaf of bread. As he was floating on the water in a state of fright, he heard some fumbling with the lock, then some gnawing and puffing. All of a sudden, the lock sprang open, the lid popped open, and there stood the mouse, the monkey, and the bear, who had opened the box. Since he had helped them, they wanted to repay him. However, they didn't know what step to take next and began discussing the matter with one another. While they were doing this, a white stone that looked like a round egg came rolling into the water. It's come just at the right moment, said the bear. That's a magic stone. Whoever possesses it can wish for whatever he desires. The man fetched the stone from the water, and when he held it in his hand, he wished for a castle with gardens and stables. No sooner had he uttered the wish than he sat in a castle with a garden and stables. Everything was so beautiful and splendid that he couldn't get over his amazement. After some time had passed, several merchants came his way. Just look, they exclaimed. What a glorious castle. The last time we came by here, there was nothing but mere sand. Since they were curious, they went inside and asked the man how he had managed to build everything so swiftly. It wasn't I who did it, said the man. It was my magic stone. What kind of stone is it? they asked. The man went to fetch it and show it to the merchants. They wanted very much to buy it and asked him to sell it in exchange for all of their beautiful wares. 
the man took a fancy to the wares, and since the heart can be fickle and yearned for new things, he let himself be fooled and thought the beautiful wares were more valuable than his magic stone. So he gave it away, and no sooner did it leave his hands than his good fortune disappeared, and he once more sat in the locked box on the river with nothing but a jug of water and a loaf of bread. When the faithful animals, the mouse, the monkey, and the bear, saw his misfortune, they came again and wanted to help him. But this time, they couldn't get the lock open because it was much stronger than the first. We've got to get that magic stone back, said the bear, or else everything we try will be useless. Since the merchants were still living in the castle, the animals went there together. As they were approaching it, the bear said, Mouse, go through the keyhole and tell us what to do. You're small and nobody will notice you. The mouse agreed, but came back and said, There's nothing we can do. I looked inside, but the stone is hanging on a red ribbon under the mirror. And all around it are cats with fiery eyes. They're stationed there to guard it. Then the bear and the monkey said, at the same time, I guess, Go back inside and wait until the master is lying asleep in his bed. Then slip through the hole, crawl on top of his bed, and pinch his nose and bite off some of his hair. The mouse crawled back inside and did what the others told him to do. The master woke up and rubbed his nose in great annoyance. The cats are useless, he said. The mice got right by them and bit the hair off my head. So he chased the cats away, and the mouse won the day. When the master went to sleep the following night, the mouse crept inside, and she nibbled and gnawed on the red ribbon on which the stone was hanging until the ribbon split in two and the stone fell on the ground. Then the mouse dragged it to the house door. However, it was hard work for the mouse, and she said to the monkey, who was keeping a lookout, Pull it out with your paw! This was easy for the monkey, and after he took the stone in his hand, they all returned to the river. How are we going to get to the box? the monkey asked. We'll deal with that soon enough, said the bear. I'll get into the water and swim. Monkey, you get on my back, hold on to me tightly, and put the stone in your mouth. Mouse, you can sit right by my ear. They did this. Um, what he, they did what he said and swam down to the river. After they had gone some distance, the bear felt that he, it was too quiet and wanted to talk. Listen, monkey, he said, I think we're good comrades. What do you think? However, the monkey kept quiet and didn't reply. Is that the way to behave? The bear said. Won't you give your comrade an answer? You're some lousy fellow if you don't. Now, the monkey could no longer keep silent. He let the fall stone fall um, into the water and cried out, You stupid fellow! How could I answer you with the stone in my mouth? Now it's lost and you're to blame. Let's not quarrel, said the bear. We'll think of something. They discussed the situation and then called the frogs together. The toads and all the animals that lived in the water. So it's not just frogs. I'm sorry, frogs and toads and and other amphibious creatures. A, a powerful enemy intends to attack you. Go and collect all the stones you can find, and we'll build you a wall to protect you. The animals were frightened and brought them stones from all over the place. Finally, a fat old croaker of a frog emerged from the bottom, carrying the magic stone with the red ribbon in his mouth. Now the bear was happy, he relieved the frog of his burden, told the animals that everything was alright, and sent them home with a quick farewell. Then the three swam down the river to the man in the box, opened the lid with the help of the stone, and arrived just at the right moment, for the man had consumed the bread and drunk the water, uh, and was already half dead. 
As soon as he held the magic stone in his hands once again, he wished to regain his good health and to be transported to his beautiful castle with the garden stables. Then he lived there in happiness and the three animals stayed with him and had good life for the rest of their years. Well, that was a wonderful, lovely story once again. And, you know, you might say that the frogs, toads, and other amphibious creatures weren't the actual focus of the story, but, you know, I can kind of beg to differ because without the toad at the end, the story would have ended horribly, right? So it was, in fact, the frogs that saved the day at the end of the story. So that is my argument for why this is a frog story. Anyway, um, so the last one is called Tales About Toads, and it's actually three very, very short stories here. So it's only going to be a couple, couple minutes, and then we'll wrap this up here. And you can be on about your day thinking about frogs and amphibians and, and other amphibious creatures and da-da-da-da-da until your heart's content. Right. So, Tales About Toads. The first one. A child sat on the ground in front of the house door and had a little bowl with milk and bread nearby and ate it. A toad came crawling and dipped his little head into the bowl and ate with the boy. The next day it came again and did this every day for some time. The child took delight in this and when he saw, however, that the toad would only drink the milk and leave the bread lying there, the child took his little spoon and hit the toad on the little head and said, You thing you, eat the bread too. In the meantime, the boy had become handsome and big, and his mother stood right behind him and saw the toad. She then ran over to them and beat the toad to death. From that time on, the child became emaciated and finally died. The end. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Like, what? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um... Okay. Anyway, number two. A little orphan girl was sitting on the city wall and spinning when she saw a toad come towards her. So she spread out a blue silk neckerchief, uh, neckerchief, like, you know, okay, next to her uh, that toads like to walk on very much because everybody knows that toads like to walk on neckerchiefs. Not a handkerchief, but a neckerchief. I don't know what the difference is. As soon as the toad caught sight of the kerchief, okay, so I guess it's the same thing. They, they refer to it in both ways. Kerchief, neckerchief, handkerchief, whatever. It turned back, but it soon returned carrying a tiny golden crown. Oh, that's cute. It laid the crown on the, on the kerchief and went away again. The girl picked up the crown in her hands. It glittered and was made out of a delicately spun gold. Mm -hmm. The toad soon came back a second time, but it went didn't see the crown anymore, it crawled to the wall and began hitting its head against the wall out of grief. Oh my. The toad continued to do this until its strength gave out and it finally lay there dead. If the little girl had left the crown lying on the kerchief, the toad probably would have brought even more of its treasure out of the hole. Okay. Maybe there's some lesson to be learned in that one. Like, don't take something hastily. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you just because somebody left it there momentarily. I don't know. There's, I feel like there's some sort of lesson in, in there, maybe. Okay, last one. And this one's, I, I don't know, here you go. 
Hoo-hee, hoo-hoo, called the toad. Come out, said the child. The toad came out, and the child asked about his little sister. Have you seen Little Red Stocking by chance? No, the toad said. I haven't seen her either. How about you? Hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo. That's the literally the story. I don't, I, I don't know. I did, the, the toad is making owl noises? I don't know. He says hoo-hoo, like H-O-O dash H-O-O, comma, H-O-O dash H-O-O, comma. It's like hoo-hoo. Like he's making owl sounds? I don't know. And who the hell is Little Red Stocking? I... I don't know of any stories in there. I didn't see any stories in here called Little Red Stocking. Maybe this is like alluding to Little Red Riding Hood? I don't know. I'm gonna have to look for that story. Maybe we'll, that'll be next week's episode or whatever. I don't know, week, I don't know. Maybe I'll do more than one per week. Who knows? We're still, we're, we're still figuring this out, right? Anyway. Little Red Stocking. Remember the name, because I'm going to be searching for Little Red Stocking, whoever the hell that is. We got to find her, okay? Anyway, those are my frog tales for the day. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to these amphibious tales, and maybe you learned something about frogs. I know I didn't, um, but at least I hope you enjoyed yourself and that the, you found these tales interesting to say the least. And I think that's where we're going to call it for the day. So this has been Fairly Old Tales, where we tell you tales that are fairly old. See you next week or whenever. Bye.